0: Welcome to A Tribe Called Yes, the podcast that brings you closer to the world's most notorious risk-takers, trailblazers, and enemies of the status quo. Now, here's your host, Darren K. Roberts. What's up, Tribe? Welcome back to the podcast that brings you closer to the world's biggest risk-takers and enemies of the status quo. This podcast is for people who want to take the plunge in life, but need a little nudge. I am your host, Coach Darren K. Roberts, and I went from Harvard Law to the NFL by the grace of God and good old-fashioned grit. Today, we are kicking off our Go for the Gold series. That's right, for the next three weeks, we will feature three Olympic gold medalists. I am confident that their stories of being ordinary folks who have accomplished extraordinary feats will inspire you to dream, plan, and execute more your personal life. Today, we have Carrie Simmons, a 2016 Olympic gold medalist. And although Carrie won a gold medal in rowing, she started off as a walk-on athlete at the University of Washington. That's right. She took a risk to take on a new sport and eventually became a world champion. All right, tribe, let's get ready to meet Carrie Simmons. Carrie, welcome to the tribe. Glad to have you. So, first question for you is this. If I were to walk into your 11th grade English class, pull you out into the hallway, and ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Okay. What was the answer?
1: Um, I think in 11th grade, I wanted to be a doctor.
0: Mm, what kind of doctor? Had you gotten that far?
1: I had not gone that far. I knew I <laughs> wanted to work with people. Um. And helping people seems like a cool option. Hmm. Um, but no, not specifically like what type of doctor.
0: So I don't want to get back to this. So not necessarily what kind of doctor. W- were there images? So for me, I wanted to be a lawyer. I remember watching shows like Matlock. Are you too young to, to know what Matlock? Have you I heard of Matlock? I might be too young. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. But To Kill a <laughs> Mockingbird. Sorry. Thanks. Thanks for oh, making okay, me feel okay. real to kill old. A Mockingbird. You know, Atticus Finch. And so those were some of my first images of lawyers and I thought yeah that's what I want to be were there any images of doctors that kind of stood out for you when you were young
1: no it wasn't like a tv show or like a book or anything that made me want to be a doctor it was kind of like you know science i'm not bad at it i'm not like extraordinary at it but i'm a good student med school totally if i worked hard enough i'd get through it and it'd be fun to like be skilled at you know, helping people. So that was kind of the the motivation early on. Applied to a lot of UCs because why not? You're a California kid. You have a lot of really good options um, in state. I applied to Colorado because I have a lot of family out there, and was actually able to get in state there. And then I applied mm-hmm. to University of Washington, the one out of state school. Which is where I ended up going. So,
0: (laughs) yeah. So, why the Washington? Why was Washington in the mix for you?
1: I had a family that lived in Seattle, so Mm. that was kind of a big thing for me. Was is there family nearby? Mm. Uh, I wanted to get out of Southern California. By the time I'd finished or was finishing high school, I knew that um, I wanted to try something different. Mm. Um, You get a little bit like stir crazy. (sighs) Even though San Diego is awesome, it's such a beautiful place. I think you tend to not appreciate what you have unless you go away. So,
0: hmm. no, okay, so you dub, you got the purple and the gold, and you're walking on the campus. Now, I want to talk about the rowing. You, you didn't row in high school, right? Correct. I was a walk on. You were a walk on. So, did you play any sports in high school?
1: Oh yeah, um, actually, sports is all I did. It seemed like I ran cross country. And, which is not, I guess, super common for a tall person, but, um, my stepmom actually was an ultra runner. And if you don't know what that is, that's like, uh, people that run on trails mostly and they run anywhere from like 50 K to a hundred miles racing. Wait, wait, <laughs> like,
0: wait, wait, wait. What?
1: Yeah. Ultra running. It's like a thing and it's insane, but like people can do it and, 100 mile races for women like typically take around 24 hours. That's what I was like exposed to. So early on I was exposed to people that were like pushing the limits of like what you physically can do and like not to sound cliché but like I think I was exposed to people showing me how oftentimes you can do so much more with your body than you think you can.
0: Hmm. So- Talk about, first of all, why you walked on to the rowing team at Washington, and then talk about the first time you jumped in the ERG, and just tell people what it is.
1: Well, let's just back up here. At first, when I came to, was going to Washington, I didn't think I was going to do sports. In fact, I actually said to my parents that I was done doing sports, because I'd done it all through high school, basically my entire childhood, and I wanted to do not be a student-athlete anymore, at least not at that level. But then, (laughs) you know, the summer passes and I saw some of the banners up about rowing tryouts and a woman who coaches soccer there was a family friend and she mentioned that they liked tall people, so it kind of planted the seed. (laughs) Anyway, I was like, at the end of, you know, by the time I got there, I was like, okay, I'll try out. Seems like a great way to meet people and... I knew this about myself that I needed something like organized or like something I had to show up for in order to stay active. Mm -hmm. So I knew that doing like it by myself I probably wouldn't work out as much as I probably should. We did hop on the erg probably pretty early on. And honestly, I can't remember like the first time very well. So but I wanna say it was very awkward. Um, for those that have ever tried it at the gym, it's just like really foreign at first. Your body doesn't know what to do. There's a lot of sequences. So muscle memory plays a big role later on. Hmm. Um, but yeah, like you have this screen showing you your, how fast you're going on every stroke and, um, just being able to pull the same number every stroke was really hard at first and like the same. Uh, stroke per minute. So the stroke rate, like all of that, like being able to hold the
0: number I thought was really hard. Rowing is you I mean, I have a lot of admiration. I am, I quit the grad school rowing team when I was at the, uh, in grad school at the Kennedy school, you know, I saw this flyer for the rowing team. I'm like, you know what? I want to get my tries up. You know, I kind of want to get fit. I think I'll go out and, two weeks you know this is cambridge massachusetts in november and i'm like how in the hell are people doing this every morning you know talk about just the regimen of being a rower and what that schedule is like
1: well it's definitely helpful to be on a team because there are days you do not want to get up that early or whatever uh don't want to go to practice and just knowing like people are counting on you, like, we'll get you there. Hmm. So team, like, it's so much better to be on a team. And it makes all those, like, kind of gruesome workouts just a bit more fun. Hmm. But because, um, you know, you're, you're grinding, you're, you're doing it together. The grind is, you're doing it as one, so it's not so bad. But uh, the regiment, usually for college, it's six days a week of organized practice. When I was there, it was only one time a day. Uh, and Saturdays, we'd have two practices. Now, I feel like a lot of college, <laughs> college programs have upped the ante and they're doing almost like two a days. But there is that whole NCA regulation of how many hours uh, you can practice. Now,
0: does this is actually now in real time on the planet we call Earth. Do you think these teams are sticking to this 20 hour rule or whatever it may be?
1: I, I have to think that there is some like optional workouts that the really good teams they're like doing so like if the, you know, if they're a competitive program, they, in order to keep up, they are definitely uh, having like captain's practices and, you know, doing optional workouts. But when I was there, I was a pretty balanced student athlete. Um, So I was definitely, you know, occasionally doing an optional workout here and there, but uh, just really just doing the work. And then I had my school and then I had my social life. So maybe I wasn't the best example of, <laughs> like, i I definitely have always tried to be pretty balanced in my um sports, and I think that has helped me not burn out quickly but mm-hmm. um at the same time, maybe I never reached my full potential well, definitely not in college
0: I mean I but you were you were a shit. biology major you're you're rowing you know at what point. Cause it sort of seemed like you started rowing as like a, Hey, I need to stay busy. This will keep me disciplined. Yeah. At what point do you realize that you're, you're, you're pretty good? Well,
1: yeah. So the whole plan was, okay, I'll do rowing for like two years in college and then I'll, I'm definitely going to study abroad. Cause that's what I, <laughs> I wanted to do that. And probably by the time spring, cause for rowing spring seasons, the racing season in college, Freshman year, by the time we got to spring, I actually made the, what we called the novice eight. So the top eight of our novice program. Um, so mostly freshmen and was traveling to these regattas. And that was really cool. And I was like, OK, like this is really fun, actually. Um, racing is the most fun part because you work so hard and you kind of forget why you're doing it. But then you go and race and you're like, oh, this is really cool. So then, by the time sophomore year rolled around, it was my first year on varsity, and I just made some like really big improvements in the fall. Just we were doing more work, and was able to make like this winter camp we had. So all of these things, I was like, okay, like I'm actually like doing all right here. So uh, <laughs> I think by the time sophomore year rolled around, I was like, okay, I'm pretty invested in this, and I want to keep going with this.
0: Yeah. So I want to get to the point where you're like, you know, uh, we're going to get to the gold medal. I mean, We're, we're, we're working our way there. But, sure, sure. So you're, you're on scholarship now. You're a senior. You're like, man, I'm pretty good at this. I'm getting school <laughs> yeah. paid to do it. Uh, this is not just kind of a side hustle. Like this is uh, this is pretty important to me. What's the next step? W- when do you start going pretty all in on the rowing?
1: Well, to back it up, oh, just a few months before senior year, so my coach was Coach Bob Ernst. Mm. Uh, he's pretty well known in the rowing community. He was a coach for 40-plus years at University of Washington. And there's like a little bit of drama that happened two years ago, and he uh, unfortunately left the program. And they have a great coach at Washington now. Yaz um, is what we call her, mm. and she's going to do great stuff there. But – um Bob was really helpful in encouraging me and a couple other Washington athletes to try out for the under-23 U.S. team. So I guess I'll explain what under-23 is. It's just basically the college-age U.S. team, and you are invited to a selection camp in the summer. So if you make that cut, then you're going to the selection camp, and then they select the U.S. team for that will go to under-23 world championships so Hmm. they'll compete against international under 23 athletes rowing the whole thing was quite like i said foreign when i first started the lingo's different there's a lot of these traditions that are unique to the rowing community and like what uh, let's see just like the lingo for instance like saying certain words like coxswain that's a weird word but like um In order to say like stop rowing, like the coxswain will say, "way enough," which is kind of a weird term. (laughs) I don't know. Why don't you just say stop rowing? You know. And then there's like starboard and port, and um,
0: that's Uh. which side
1: you're on, and I don't know. And then there's you know, there's just a lot of history there, which actually was, I think, one of the coolest parts about being at UW is just like they're very good at like making sure that their athletes know about the people that came before them, the history of that program. The alumni are a huge part of it. It's just that whole thing was, I thought was really cool because <laughs> rowing was not a big deal. And at least in San Diego, I didn't really know about it. There are clubs here, but they're not exactly, they're like 20 minutes from where my house is. So I wasn't really aware of it, but in Seattle, like rowing is a pretty big part of that community. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I, um, I don't know, going backwards, I guess I just,
0: (laughs) it always strikes me. I mean, I, I kind of drive by, um, on Lady Bird Lake here in Austin and I'll see the rowers go by and I think to myself, wow, that must be a really interesting feeling. It's like really counterintuitive to be going backwards really fast. Mm -hmm. You've got the coxswain sort of telling you, you know, how to steer. Yeah. Take us to the Olympics, 2016, and congratulations once again. Oh,
1: thank
0: you. What was the lead up, and even just the the early formation of the team and what that felt like? Like, well, take us through, you know, from start to finish, being able to to capture the gold in Rio.
1: Uh, how? Wait. So how how back do you want me to go? Start to finish
0: here. When's the first like, time you I- met the team?
1: Oh. Well, this was a team that I've been training with for, you know, 4 years. Mm-hmm. There's a group of about probably anywhere from 25 to 30 women at the training center group is what we called it, so the US training center. Mm-hmm. And we're based mostly in Princeton, New Jersey. And mm-hmm. yeah, the coach, we have two coaches, Tom Terhar and Laurel Corholes, and they're pretty famous in their own right now because they're very successful coaches. And, yeah, so I knew the team. Like, I was – we were a part of the same group for the past four years, Um, given some people come in a little bit later on, depending on when they graduate. But all of us had – most of us, except for maybe one girl, had already graduated college, so we were a bit older. And, yeah, so I knew the team. We all knew each other quite well. We had done world championships years before. So in a non-Olympic year, you do what we call world championships – And that's just racing against the world and rowing. Um, And so the only difference between the World Championships and the Olympics is there are a little fewer boat classes. So not as many different types of boats. Um, But it's basically the same people you're competing against. It's just now you're a part of many sport events, sporting events. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. But each year you have to make the team. So you are not guaranteed a spot if you made the team the year before. Um, and the pressure is obviously much higher in Olympic gear because that is what you've been training for the Olympics and the coaches ultimately decide who will be in those, the eight or the, we had another boat called the quad, which is a four person boat. Um, yeah, so it was intense. Uh, (laughs) It was probably one of the hardest experiences, the selection, because emotionally and mentally it was so hard. Hmm. Um, It wasn't the hardest physically for the eight. Like we didn't do as many race pieces as the other boats did, the quad. Um, But man, emotionally, like it was, it's like you're you're all your four years of work comes down to like this race to make the team. And just like, that is so intense. (laughs) um and then you know the people you're competing against and you know only one person's gonna make it between the two you know so that is I mean if you obviously it's great when you make it but you know how heartbreaking it is for those that don't so it's really it really is (laughs) rowing is very yeah like I don't know um having to compete against your friends is really tough
0: how do you do that? I mean, how do you kind of stay, I mean, you're, you're an athlete, you're competitive, but you've got friends and you know, it, it's a, it's a very either or situation, right? I mean,
1: yeah. You have and more our, friends than fit in the deep.
0: boat. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, you just have to be like, you know what, whatever's going to happen, it'll be what's the fastest option or, you know, like, if she's going to make the boat go faster, she deserves it and you kind of have to think like that like what if she's going to be faster, she's better for the team. Hmm. And it's like, oh man, it's so tough but um and it's obviously easier for me to say this now because I was on the I guess the the side that made it, but it's just like, dang. Um it's definitely tough, but we somehow did it and we were actually that was the best Team, I was a part of. We were very good at supporting each other, even when like it was extremely hard to, because you know you're competing against each other for seats.
0: Yeah, yeah. Talk about as you're preparing, and what does that what does that feel like? I mean, the, the training. You said the training wasn't as physically demanding as maybe some of the trainings you had before, but um, you know, as you're getting ready, you get you get to Rio. So what is <laughs> yeah. how does how i does will the, mention yeah.
1: this we get to rio right and there was all this media about the water quality
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know yeah uh you hear you hear about it and you're informed about it and it's kind of like the in the back of your mind the whole time you're like oh my gosh what if i get sick from this water and then i can't <laughs> compete like that's it's, so terrible hmm. like to come all this way and then not be able to compete because of illness um so we were definitely taking precautions the coaches the staff at u.s rowing we had like a a lot of hand sanitizer we were washing the handles every practice um not drinking out of well we took water out in like ziploc bags because there is splash that comes into the boat you can't avoid it Hmm. but at the end of the day like (laughs) We knew that you're going to get exposed to the water. Rowing, like, you're in a boat, yes, but it still is a water sport. And splash happens and spray, and you're going to get water in your mouth, in your eyes, in your ears, um, on your clothes. So we were a little bit, I guess, tense the first few days rowing on that water. But then you just kind of are like, you know what? If it's gonna if I'm gonna get sick, I'd rather get sick now because we had like about 2 weeks before competition. We were there. Um so we we're just like we have to relax. And once we relaxed, it got a lot better with our practices. <laughs> uh people were a lot less twitchy. Um yeah, cuz you get like people like water would get in their mouth and they'd like spit it out right away. <laughs> like in in rowing, you can see this and where I was sitting, I could see six people in front of me. So I was like Um, seeing that kind of like behavior, like spazzy behavior, I was like, okay, we needed it all just chill. Um, but yeah, no, once we got past that couple days of practice where it was a bit, I don't know, tense about the water quality is, we were fine. And actually we all competed and no one got sick on the team. So that was awesome. I think the media definitely over per usual over like what the quality was like. Um, There's definitely, like, foundation for it, so I don't think it was good. But we did see, like, fish in the water, so that
0: was a positive sign (laughs) like, some birds. You're like, Um, the fish and the birds are still alive. We ought to be good.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, that's positive. Um, Didn't see any couches or any, like, big debris in the water. So they did a good job trying to clean it up. Um, But... Yeah, so
0: so take us take us to the first race. First
1: race, oh man! I'm so glad that there's more than one race at the Olympics because (laughs) that is just you're so amped up. You have a lot of nervous energy because you know your competition. You've raced them before, but you don't know how much like what they're going to be like this year. So Hmm. you maybe know what they did last year, but you have no idea. You can't expect them to be the same as last year. So. The first race, the heat is great because you can kind of see, you test your own speed, but also just kind of see where the field is um, and kind of get out that nervous energy. And this was our first race as a, as this crew. So um, it was really good for us to kind of work on our rhythm and solidify things we were working on by actually going through and doing a race. So hmm. the heat was fun. We we did well and we executed what we wanted to. And
0: um, I'm curious, major competition is you're going in, right? Like who who are you, who are you guys thinking about in terms of competitors at the top of the.
1: Yeah. So in the beginning of the four years, Canada was really the main rival. Mm -hmm. Um, They had been the main competitor in, in London. They were the silver medalists there. But then as the four years progressed We started seeing New Zealand, a pretty young crew, but they were kind of like starting to challenge us. So New Zealand was definitely someone we were looking out for. Great Britain was doing really well, and they had just progressed over the, the last four years and were getting faster, so GB. And then you really can't count on anyone. Like the Netherlands has speed. Romania, believe it or not, actually was very good in the early the late nineties, early two thousands. Hmm. So you know, you know. So you can't really like count anyone out, but I'd say those were the people. G B New Zealand and I guess Canada will put in there too.
0: Yeah. So winning race. Take us take us to I want you to the Winning Race, yeah. Yes.
1: Uh, winning race. Well, I don't I mean, it's definitely worth a watch because I think people were surprised that the level was, or the level, the field was so level. Uh, about halfway through the race, still, um, the U.S. women in the in the eights race are pretty dominant usually, and so oftentimes you'll see the U.S. are out in front by at least a quarter way through. But in this race, we were not out in front until over halfway. So, <laughs> for a parent on looking or Really anyone that knows about women's eight racing they were kind of like uh-oh like the US are still, you know, not in front but as someone that was in the boat we knew people were going to come out fast and try to challenge us early on and I think we we knew you could feel we had more gears and that we were going to use the second half to really push the field and like we had we knew we had the fitness to win hmm. if we if we did it together so there we were really calm the whole time we knew we, our coxswain was telling us where we were on the field and it never frazzled us that we were not up by halfway so yeah so by halfway point i think she made a call she said we are the u.s women's eight and that really got us going and we were able to push out and then I do remember seeing some boats start to come back into us with 500 meters to go. So the last quarter of the race. And I was like thinking to myself, okay, let's let's start our sprint. Let's do this. Like Let's just get this <laughs> over with. And I was waiting a couple strokes. Coxon made the call. And with our sprint, that just means that we up the stroke rate. So the amount of strokes per minute and... Yeah, and then by the last 10 strokes or so, you're kind of just like, okay, where's that line? Like, where's the finish line? <laughs> Great, it's done, you know. Uh, but, you know, no doubt that we had this. So um, we were very confident, but not cocky. So mm-hmm. you're confident in what you have. And so it was, yeah, we knew we had what it took. So just kind of trusting that. Yeah. Man, that's- So that sounds so cheesy, but it's true. That's what it's like in rowing. You have to have that trust that you will execute if you just relax and do it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, because it's, I mean, you think about, you know, just the visual of, you're really depending on eight other people, right? I mean, it's you and then seven rowers and the coxswain. So you've got eight people and you've got this game plan going in. And I think just hearing you talk about You know, kind of staying level headed, even when you weren't up at the midway point, like understanding what the strategy was and holding to it and not getting frazzled by kind of the the way the race was going.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was the plan. It was stay what we called internal the first half. And then she would tell us, okay, this is what we need to do. And you have confidence in that, like you know that those people it's kind of like, okay, there's seven other people, or sorry, seven other rowers, the coxswain, so eight other people, and instead of that being like, "Oh God, there's eight other variables that could mess this up, it's more like I know that these people are gonna do whatever they need to do to get me across the line first, and they know that I'm gonna do whatever I need to do, so it's kind of like actually helps with the nervousness, like you know that whatever it takes you guys are gonna go there hmm. and you're gonna go to there together so that's that is actually the coolest thing about rowing is like you are going so much faster than you can go by yourself
0: yeah. so talk about staying on the platform and getting the hardware i mean what yeah. what, what is that like i think that's probably for most people i mean they, they would love to be able just to get a sense of what it feels like to stand up there and uh, sure yeah
1: Yeah, so, well, when we crossed the line, uh, the two people I was sitting between were sobbing. They were so overwhelmed. Like, I was extremely relieved we did it. There were no, like, problems. We did it. We made it. But I wasn't crying yet. And I'm not much of a crier. Like, people that know me, they know I'm pretty sarcastic. Um, I kind of have that poker face when I say things. And I kind of say things in the same tone often. So when I'm joking, you can't really tell all the time. But anyway, so that being said, when I did walk onto the medals podium, it was I was kind of surprised how emotional I became because I did start to kind of choke up and tear up um, just walking onto the medals podium. You see the crowd, and then you see, as you line up, I could see my family's faces in the crowd, and I kind of looked at each one kind of just had a moment with them. And when I actually was able to have my medal, that was awesome. But then I did start crying again when the anthem played and it was so beautiful because the way they had it set up, the rowing venue was kind of in the heart of Impanema, which is kind of a really nice, um, iconic Rio town and Christ the redeemer statue, which is most people associate with Rio. Oh yeah was looking over the venue. So you could see Christ the Redeemer statue like at the start line and every practice. Yeah, it was really pretty. <laughs> like that was one of the prettiest courses I've wrote at. So the way they had the flag set up is as they're rising with the anthem, they're rising and Christ the Redeemer statue is in the background. So I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful <laughs> that I started singing the anthem just so I wouldn't be like sobbing. <laughs>
0: I mean, you can't can't ask for a better backdrop, right?
1: Yeah, no. And it was a sunny day. We had a beautiful weather for our finals race. And once the anthem stopped, there were some photos that we had to take right there on the podium um, with the other countries. And then we were able to kind of, for a moment, go to the stands and just hug some of our family members. And that's when it just completely... I was uncontrollably sobbing, especially like, I don't know what it is, but when you hug your dad and you're a daughter, (laughs) there's something about that that just like completely (laughs) ugly crying. Like it was, um, really emotional, but, um, yeah, my family has been supportive of my rowing career, like the whole time. So it was pretty special to be able to share that moment with them. Wow.
0: Wow. Life after the gold. What's it been like?
1: Oh, it's been um, not, I, I feel like it's been sort of crazy because I've created it for myself. Um, I did a road trip across the country because I moved my car from New Jersey to San Diego. But um, I took my time. So it took me about five weeks to get to San Diego mm. and saw a lot of re- friends, a lot of relatives along the way. And it was really interesting. I just, it was my first cross country drive. And I think that it's a bit now going to be warped for me because people, every person I saw was really excited to see me. Obviously, they were really excited to see the medal if they got a chance. And I think that that standard is now just like, that was not, that's, if I had not won a a medal and I wasn't an Olympian, that would not be the same reception I was given. I'd like (laughs) to think that my personality would give that kind of reception, but it, yeah. So (laughs) it was like this little victory tour through, um, the United States. Um, but yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Nice. Um, I went up to Seattle and the Seahawks actually, they had the Olympians with ties to the state of Washington come out on the field at halftime and they gave us nice seats and that was really cool. And then, I guess one of the real highlights was I was able to go to the White House, and all the Olympians and Paralympians are invited to go to the White House and meet President Obama, Michelle Obama, and Joe Biden. So that was really cool, and they are very hip people. So they're <laughs> they're cool people to me. It's like, man, even if you weren't president, I would still want to be like your friend because you're such a cool guy. So, um, so yeah, and then you know, you just like. I visited my elementary school. That was cool. Uh, yeah, so it's been busy, but I feel like it's because I've like said yes to a lot of these like things. But um, yeah, I'm excited to be kind of more based in San Diego for a little bit
0: now. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Well, Carrie, this has been great. I, I think, I mean, your story—it's one of those. I think even going back to the University of Washington and just having having the courage to jump into something that you hadn't done before, try it out, really put your all into it. And then to see that grow, you know, from that into a gold medal, is pretty amazing. And for people who listen to the podcast religiously or who just drop in, I mean, I think this story is very encouraging and motivating for people on a lot of levels. So,
1: um, Yeah. It sounds so easy when you say it.
0: that yeah you know (laughs) i'm probably downplaying i don't mean to downplay at all no no
1: (laughs) it does i mean it kind of like overall that's how it happened but i will say there are a lot of days that it was not easy so to those that are listening there was not it's not all sunshine and like there were some really tough days but the goal was always in mind so that was helpful
0: and and you know that's a good point how do you get through those? Like, are there some sources of inspiration or is it, a, a, are there some songs or books or things you think about? Like, how do you push through those early uh, mornings and tough days?
1: Yeah, honestly, it was the people around me. Hmm. So uh, a lot of it, my teammates, um, that just kind of like helped me get through those. Cause I, I dealt, especially this past year with some injuries hmm. and it was dark. So I was like on the stationary bike and, by myself. So I'm watching the people like go out and row and I have to do the bike the whole time. And it's, it was terrible. Like it was so hard, (laughs) but, um, yeah, it's the people around you. You want to surround yourself with people that understand what your goal is and are going to help you kind of push through. And also just like, they were people that they counted on me, like I said, so I was going to be there for them at the same time, not just for myself. So
0: yeah. Well, thanks, Carrie. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it was fun talking with you. All right, tribe, thank you so much. And I mean that. Thank you for listening to today's show. For show notes and to get goodies to all of the links from the show, visit a tribecalledyes.com. That's a tribecalledyes.com. And I have one ask for you if you like the show, give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. It would really help us to spread the gospel of the tribe. And finally, special thanks to Samantha Skinner and Jacob Weiss, our co-producers and partners in crime, for serving up incredible episodes every single week from the University of Texas. Now go out there this week, slay some dragons, and keep saying yes.